competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the Magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 460. Mr. Samich. 420, huzzah! <laughs> Why aren't you going to say American Rascal, huzzah? Holy smokes, we were talking about that oh, horse wow. on uh, DudeTube at Daily uh, earlier today, and I uh, was, was saying I would have made this horse my bet, but I knew he was going to be bit over bet because half the field scratched him when you saw what he did. Holy smokes, can we get futures on him right now to win at Royal Ascot? Because the price is only going to go down from here. It's funny to me that people on Twitter are like, yeah, I don't know if he'll go. I have, maybe he will. Maybe the person in the chat, or maybe we'll have the person in the chat to say, that horse is going to Royal Ascot. The fact that they named it American Rascal tells you everything you need to know. They want to win with that horse on that track. I'd be shocked if we don't see American Rascal at Ascot. At, at Ascot. Well, that person, uh, we'll see if he ends up making the live show or not, but he... Um, he was saying he wouldn't do it. It's not that they, or that he didn't believe that they should. And I asked him, I said, why on earth would the son of Lady Aurelia, who's a two-time uh, winner at Ascot, including a group one, uh, and then also at, you know, at age two, uh, following an, a super impressive Keelan debut, almost to the day, by the way, of this horse winning. I was like, why wouldn't you do it? And he was like, well, uh, you know, the, the longevity of the horse. I'm like, they literally bred this horse for that reason. This is like, you, you breed a horse like that and send it to Wesley Ward. So that it pops at Keeneland and it goes to Ascot and it wins. We'll see it maybe one more time. Maybe the Breers' Cup uh, Juvenile Turf Sprint. And then we'll wait. And then next year at Keeneland, we'll do it all again in the spring. Twilight Gleaming. Exactly what they did with Twilight Gleaming. That horse, I think, ran once on the dirt, went to the turf, dominated yep. on the turf, went over to Royal Ascot, got the win there, ran one more time, I believe. It was just the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. And then they, like, Ward takes these horses very slowly. They're going to run once or twice in major stakes races over the years. You're not going to see these 10 race campaigns, right, from Wesley Ward. So, to me, it makes a ton of sense for that horse to end up over at Ascot. And he loves winning at Ascot. I think people don't understand how important it is for him to get those Ascot wins. He wants to be that guy. It's probably the second biggest meet that he points to all year outside of this Keeneland meet. So, I'd be very surprised if they don't take a shot with a horse that definitely looks like he could compete there. Yeah, the Norfolk Stakes, Dennis is saying that's where they're going. I, he, was it last year? I think it was last year at Ascot. Uh, he had a couple of really nice wins and said that uh, if it wasn't for Royal Ascot, his kids wouldn't be able to go to college. But he paid for his kids to go to college by winning these Royal Ascot races. Now, if you want to have the discussion about is it good overall for the breeding and for the sport that you just have them run a couple, two, three times like this, that's a different discussion. But the point is, that is a Royal Ascot winner. If I've seen one debut before, that was super impressive. Uh, yeah, maybe Irad will go over there. Rosario is making his, he's getting his mounts back and, and he's showing that like, all right, I had a rough patch, but he's getting his confidence back. So maybe Rosario does it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think he's got three wins on the card. Ward has three wins on the card. They've teamed up for, I think, two of those. Uh, nice win on the turf for, for Ward as well. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Rosario, when he rides well, is as good as anybody in the country. It's just the consistency that's the only issue with it. If, he, if he's riding, he's tough to beat and he, he's a great closer. So it's just, it's all about whether or not you're getting that a Rosario effort, or you're getting these, hey, what are we doing trying to close with a speed horse, Rosario? 
Well, we don't have any, uh, at least by my count, I don't, I don't remember seeing any Wesley Ward turf sprinters on this one, but we do have a fun five race sequence at Keeneland. I did ask Mike if he wanted to do the cross country one, which is all stakes, and he still hates Oakland Park. So here we go. We're back at Keeneland, another late pick five. I also hate the horses in the races at Oakland Park. Like I, I read the little press release and read through who's in those races. And I'm like, I don't want to hate the Capro horses. That makes no sense. Of course, gosh, but the late scratches at Aqueduct and at Keeneland, they're just screwing everybody else. While that screws everybody else up, we're going to get going the, the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, April 22nd. A couple of fun stakes. Let's get into it, buddy. Riders up. All right, Mike, here we go. First leg of the late pick five at Keelan on Saturday, April 22nd. Race six. That's right, just a 10-race card here. Two pick fives. This starts off the late one. It's a six-and-a-half furlong dirt sprint for 12 maiden three-year-old Colts, plus one also eligible. Mike, if you want experience, go to a brothel. Ten of these 13 entries making their career debuts here. Where are you going on top? Look, I... I'm going to spread a little bit here, but I do respect the seven-class actor. Uh, Fred Cox, Florent Giroux, this is one that looks like it's going to be ready to first fire first time. A logical favorite here, five to two on the morning line. I think is a little bit vulnerable, but I, I, I don't know how you don't put this horse on top, considering, like you said, no experience in here. So you got to find someone who can fire first out. Uh, Brad Cox has been able to do that very consistently here at, at uh, Keeneland. And this horse looks to be bred well and is running well. Or the workouts are solid as well. So... Give me the seven horse class actor on top. I know you used it. Was it your top pick as well? Not the top pick, but it's, I mean, it's Cox and Giroux debuting a three-year-old at Keeneland for Spendthrift, who, uh, you know, absolutely wants to win races like this. The breeding says this is, you know, it's a slightly tricky distance. We're not doing six furlongs, six and a half, so we're, you know, halfway to seven, and that's super tricky. The breeding says this shouldn't be an issue. I think ultimately this horse will be a good miler, if not farther, uh, so the six and a half is a good spot. Uh, I My top pick, I went with the number six, Billy Jack, who I know you didn't use. Uh, one of just three horses in here with experience. Thought he had a pretty good third on debut, got moved up to second uh, because of disqualification. The three to five favorite crossed over on him midway through the far turn and it forced him to steady really hard. I like the fact that he didn't just quit. He had every excuse to just drop right off, but he re-rallied. He kept going in this stretch, got bumped up to second. He wasn't close to the top two, but the winner was five to two, went gate to wire without any pressure. Brian Hernandez was aboard that day. He keeps them out here. So I did use Billy Jack, but you, oh, I'm no, you did leave him off your ticket. I forgot what number he was for a second. Yeah, I left Billy Jack off. One of those horses, it's Uncle Mo stands for 150000 The horse only sells for 75000 Asperson debuts it on a big day at fairgrounds. I, I thought the race was okay, not great. I mean, obviously the experience helps. Um, but it, to me, it's one of just one of those horses where it didn't get a bet a ton that first day. It was 9-1 on, on that day. And I'm not I, – I, this feels like a card that has – or this specific race feels like it has quite a few talented first-time starters – and so I'm not sure that the more experienced horse necessarily has a big advantage here. Just because, again, I, I, I wasn't blown away by that race. You mentioned the three to five horse. Game Warden, I believe it was, did not look very good in that spot to me. So I, if you have an overbet horse, this one's still nine to one. Now we're coming back here and you're, you're having to take four to one on a horse that I think probably gets bet a little bit on race day as well. Just a little bit too short of a price for me. In second, I went to the five-horse Moreau, uh, Andrew McKeever, one of those guys where it doesn't have great numbers, 7% first-time starters, just a 71-cent ROI, so not wonderful there. But Talibone picks up the mount, 
He's one of those jockeys that I trust when you're trying to get a, a decent price horse home here. Spice Town, the sire, solid first out. But when you go through the workouts, you've got a lot of different works that really fit well with this specific field. So you go two back, breaks out of a gate at Keeneland, 59 and two, able to get the job done there. Um, you've got a 47 and two on the page as well. If you go all the way back to last November and October, you got back to back bullets then as well. So it feels like Moreau is one of those horses that's going to be ready to fire first time out. Uh, I didn't use, but I will say of the five races, this one I spent the most time on and I feel the least confident in. Uh, a lot of horses, a lot of it's because there's just so many unknowns. And because they are three, you know, you don't have that early two-year-old kind of pop angle. It's like, no, they're they're almost halfway through their third-year-old, three-year-old season here. Uh, but you've got the good breeding that says, you know, possibly could work. It just didn't go that way. But there's going to be hard for me to really poo-poo any of the horses in here. I had the seven class actor second. Uh, third for me, the number four, Mr. Keating at nine to two, who you did also use. So I'll let you talk about him in a second. Uh, I didn't realize this until I saw the stat. Norm Cassie, the last year at Keeneland, 25% winners. That's not easy to do for anybody. So many people target this Keeneland meet. They send their best horses and they get them ready to pop at Keeneland because you have these super high purses and all of the attention of the racing world for a couple of weeks is on Keeneland. 25% win rate, that's a good sign. Uh, Irad hopping aboard, that's a great sign. He's 0 for 3 in the last year riding for Norm, but in the past year, two of those three did hit the board. So I think this horse has got potential. I think that there is a, you know, the the breeding says it should be fine. Um, you've got some decent works on here. Nothing that really, you know, pops off the page too much. But, you know, I like the fact that he did 48 and two from the gate. And then after that, it seemed like we were good from, you know, we did, there were a couple of gate works that there, uh, you actually did go 47 and one um, from the gate uh, back on March 17th. So I should say there is one gate work that definitely pops out to me. Uh, I just like this, I like this spot for him and I like that Irad's riding for him yeah i read there kind of pushed me over the edge amazing stats for norm cassie across the board 12 percent on first time stars with a buck 23 roi but everything else is profitable i mean 23 percent made in special weights with three dollars 53 cent roi first time lay six 41 percent with five dollars 53 cent roi wild number there for norm cassie uh only uh, not a ton of starters this year only 59 starters but winning at a 27 percent clip big fan of carpe diem from a sire perspective and then you kind of have that a little emotional tug too. Mary Lou Whitney stables here would be nice to see those silks in the winner's circle at Keeneland. Nine to two, a fair price. And I think you're going to get every bit of it on race day. So definitely interested in the four, Mr. Keating as well. I ended up going four deep here. Um, I use the one horse, Cartographer as well on the rail. 20 to one here. This is a son of Liam's map out of a pulpit horse. Calumet homebred ends up with Doug O'Neill. And I think it's interesting that this is the spot we end up in. And if you look through the workouts, again, there's works here that definitely mean this horse can pop. I don't love breaking from the rail. That's one of the biggest knocks for me here, especially at six and a half. But this horse seems to have speed. And if you have tactical speed and you get out from that rail, all of a sudden it's not that terrible of a place to be, especially at a speed favoring Keeneland track. Uh, you've got a 35 and four work all the way back on March 11th. But the one that really pops to me is that last one. 47 and two out of a gate on April 15th, four of a hundred workout efforts that day. She tells me there's some speed here and the photographer is ready to go. So I'm going to take a little bit of a shot here, go 20 to one on the rail. I did consider this horse. The rail is ultimately, I think what scared me off the most, but uh, if you get 20 to one on this horse here, it maybe sprinkle a little bit, little schmeckles on him to, uh, to win or something. I think he's got a great chance to hit the board. Uh, for, it was just ultimately for me, the rail draw that you mentioned, but uh, you know, great points and, and really great workouts there. Uh, and then, yeah, as Shai says, you got Raylu riding. Raylu, Raylu knocked us out of that pick five we would hit last week. Still not over that. Still not, not over that. Nope. <laughs> uh, let's move on, Mike. The second leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, April 22nd. We're going to go all the way down here to race seven. 
much shorter field. We've got uh, seven three-year-old fillies sprinting six furlongs on the dirt. It's the non-winners of two lifetime allowance level. Where'd you go on top? This is where I'm going to take my shot in this sequence. Look, the seven horse, socially selective, is going to get bet off the board here. Second out for uh, Bill Mott. I read Ortiz going to pick up the mount. Looked awesome at Saratoga. Came back in the Purple Martin and Oakland. Ends up running second to Key of Life, who comes back and wins in a stakes here at Keeneland. So a lot to like about the seven. But I'm not sure the seven's the fastest horse. And I don't think the seven has the best upside here. So I'm going to go too deep and I'm going to use who I think is the fastest horse on top. That's the two unsung melody for Ortiz. And again, my boy Ray Lou there. <laughs> I think this is your horse that gets the lead. All three of the efforts, well, the last two specifically, would, would be enough to get the lead. Well, the first one we broke, uh, broke, didn't break cleanly, wasn't a great effort there. But those last two I thought were really strong, including that win at Oakland. Into Love comes in second there, ends up running back and winning. This is McLean's music that I think is getting better. Ortiz, solid here. One for five so far at the meet, 20% ROI. And Raylou's in the call to me tells me that it's all systems go here for this daughter of McLean's music. So I'm going to put the two unsung melody on top. Top pick for me as well. Uh, all great points. Um, by the way, the uh, the runner-up from that race uh, was second to Punch Bowl. Then had that really nice win. The runner-up that race won by almost 12 lengths next out at Oakland Park. Uh, whew, that was smoking. Uh, and the final time, once you know it was adjusted, was 110 and one for six. That's really strong there. Um, I'm not going to let Ray Lou and Johnny Ortiz keep it for cashing this week. So I'm glad we're in agreement there. Um, I didn't take a shot. I did use socially selective just because you know I thought that that you know she broke her maiden on debut at Saratoga. Uh, by seven and a quarter lengths. We don't see her for 220 days, and she comes back, and she's a really good second in the Purple Martin Stakes at Oaklawn. The winner was Key of Life, who went gate to wire that day. She just went gate to wire in the Grade 3 Beaumont last Sunday here, but the fact that she was able to, off of that long layoff, have a good second chasing a, you know, a graded stakes winner who went gate to wire that day, the one concern is, is you talked about it, she might just like be in the same scenario here. Unsung Melody, I'm not going to say is as good of Key of Life, but we're also going six furlongs, not six and a half. I'm, I'm a little little hesitant with that one. So uh, we'll see what happens with the seven social selective. I did take a long look at, uh, instead of using the seven, at using the number four. Tell me about Devious Stairs. Yeah, Devious Stairs to me is the horse that, that's kind of a little bit of a, a wild card in this spot. Was able to come from off the pace in a field of 12 at uh, Turfway Park last time. That was in January. We haven't seen the horse since. This is a $170,000 daughter of Practical Joke. You know I love me some Practical Joke, especially in these sprints. It's a Wesley Ward trained and owned horse. So when he is owns horses, he's like he's dominating this Keelan meet anyway. But when he also has been trained, when he's been owning them, he's been even uh, sharper in here. I think this is one of those situations where you get that setup. Um, you've got the two unsung melody we're talking about. Definitely going to go the seven here probably going to try and go as well has never passed a horse however i don't want to necessarily hold that against social selective because the only horse that she could have passed was key of life who's a very good horse but if those two hook up early it really sets up for devious stairs to be able to be the one that's coming on late and so i'm going to try and get through here with just going two in the four and see if we can get a little little spice in this one by leaving out that even money shot on the, on the outside um, what ultimately kept me off is I just didn't like the fact that out of that race at Turfway, like none of the horses came out of that and have done anything since. Now that's, you know, maybe that's just a knock on who she was facing at, at Turfway Park, but um, I, I wasn't, I just couldn't add in. Uh, I also looked at the six for Oshado at eight to one a little bit for Owen Hardy, Tyler Gaffleone, but uh, we've seen the Tampa to Keeneland angle has worked 
more times than it really ever should, uh, which is more than once. So uh, it's worked this year. Uh, broke the maiden non-debut at six furlongs. Pretty decent second at seven furlongs in the next out. Cutting back so the horse might be a little sharper here. But the win, the, when the horse won, was 16 to 1. Had a stable mate in that race that was 5 to 1 and finished fourth. And you want to talk about horses not coming out of there well. No horse from that big field was better than third. I think there were nine horses. Nobody was better than third in their next start. Three eventually broke their maidens, but two had to go to the maiden claiming level. And the third was the stable mate who did it on turf several races later. So. Uh, we both agree on the two as a top pick here. It's just kind of a matter of do you want to take a shot or be defensive like I am with the seven socially selective? Yeah, and the only other horse I really looked at was the one amp back up, 15 to 1. It's the Sherry DeVoe horse twice on the synthetic there at, uh, at Turfway Park. Then steps into here. I, this just feels like a little bit too big of a step up. If there was less speed, I think, think amp back would be a little more interesting breaking from the rail. But because of the other speed in here, it was hard to really use her. So I, it, for me, it kind of ended up okay. Can we get around this seven? If so, how can we do that? And the two logical ones are two and four. Let's move on. The uh, third leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, April 22nd. Race eight, the first of two graded stakes we get to talk about. And this is the grade two Alcorn. Always a fun race. Ten older males going 12 furlongs. That's a mile and a half on the grass. Where are you going on top? Actually, I'm just going to say we both have full agreement. So it's just a matter of who you put on top. Yeah, give me the seven horse here. House Street on top. Uh, We've been talking about the morning lines. Any chance this horse goes off close to 10 to 1? <laughs> no. No. I, I, I looked at all this and I was like, give me 10 to 1 right now because it'll be like 6 to 1, I think, by the race going off. Yeah, this is definitely one of those scenarios where you kind of wish that you were able to get uh, some fixed odds markets because House Street looked phenomenal last time out at Gulfstream. If you haven't watched that replay, go watch it. Just a killer turn of foot. This horse won easily there with, with uh, Irad Ortiz aboard. You get Flavian Pratt today. Some tactical speed, if you look at that race, two back, was only three lengths off a 47.5. It kind of seems all systems go here. I have absolutely no concerns about stretching out to the mile-and-a-half distance. I don't think that's going to be any type of an issue for House Street based on the way uh, this horse was able to close at a mile-and-three-eighths last time at Gulfstream Park. Uh, I, I, the 10-to-1 is just baffling to me. I don't know. I don't understand how you end up with 10-to-1 on this horse. It's just it, I realize you have much more seasoned horses. You've got Channel Maker, Value Engineering, Red Knight, another mystery all horses that have run well and graded stakes. But this is clearly your up-and-comer, and that last race and improvement off it is good enough to beat this field. Yeah, all great points. I mean, third off the bench, third start at four. Flavian Pratt's 23% winner for Jorge Abreu, 50% in the money. You watch that Gulfstream Park effort. It's like they went 11 furlongs. The horse just obliterated them, was was easily the winner like of that race. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um I don't think we get 10 to 1. I also don't think Value Engineering is going to be the second choice. I think Value Engineering should be the favorite in this race. Uh, 7 to 2 here. This is my second choice uh, for me. I think this is the best turf marathoner we've got in the States right now. Now he's getting Tyler Gaffleon aboard. Um, Size is going to be in uh, at Oakland Park. Irad's riding for Chad in this spot, and a horse that neither of us like. Um, but Tyler Gaffleon is, is, you know, he and Size. it seems like they're always in that race for the Keeneland win title uh, by the end of the meet. Since Mike Maker got him last fall, two wins, including the grade two Mac Diarmida last time out. Second in the grade three McKnight, two Red Knight, who we're not using, we talk about in a little bit. He was too far back in that spot. Jose Ortiz just didn't put him into the race early enough or he didn't break well i don't remember i just know that he was too far back and, and he got the jump on red knight but red knight had more momentum and, and that ended up getting the job done there but uh, to me this value engineering it, he should be favored over red knight to me yeah i was kind of surprised um this is another one of those morning lines where i, I kind of agree with you i thought value engineering looked much better there 
uh, last time out at Gulfstream Park. I guess if you look at the McKnight, that's why you have Red Knight who is favored. But to me, that was a tale of two trips, and Red Knight just kind of got the better of it. Um, I would expect the value engineering goes off at a slightly shorter price, and this is the maker I'm much more interested in. One of the main reasons is the tactical speed. I mean, you look at at the time form pace numbers for Red Knight, 12 is the early pace number. This race doesn't have a ton of pace in it. And when you're a 12, I mean, you're reporting with single digits for the time form early pace number. That is a bad sign when there's not a ton of early pace. Value engineering, a little bit more forwardly placed generally in these mile and a half races. I like the post from that two spot. So I agree with you. I think it's all systems go on value engineering. And then we're both using the three rising empire. And I'm guessing for the same reason. Gate to wire, right? I mean, that's that's this this horse is the lone speed here. It's going to definitely go from that three post. Uh, has the ability to close to, to close out races as well. I thought that was actually a really good effort last time. And the grade two ends up running second to spook the channel, but it was not easy to go gate to wire on that fairgrounds turf when you were able to. Now Brandon Walsh bringing this horse over to Keeneland in a spot where I don't see anyone else who has near the early foot that Rising Empire has. I expect them to be crawling up front, and I think Rising Empire is the one controlling the pace. I don't want to not have this horse on my ticket. Yep, absolutely. And actually, I'm, because of the speed scenario, I just put this horse on top. I think it's, I love Value Engineering, almost did that, but I thought uh, as long as he breaks from the gate, I mean, he's also not only alone speed, Mike, but they're going three turns and he's drawn inside. Value Engineering will probably sit right behind him. Uh, Channel Maker is probably not going to go to the lead, right? That horse, I think, is, uh, I mean, it's, it's nice that at age nine, they're still trying with him, but it's we just haven't seen him do well uh, another in a long time. Another knock on Red Knight, by the way. Uh, Gerardo Corrales uh, is going to be in the saddle, and I'm not knocking Corrales specifically. He was aboard when he won the Grade 2 Turf Cup at Kentucky Downs last September, but the Grade 3 Sycamore, similar scenario here, right, where he drops to the back and going a mile and a half, three turns at Keeneland, it just did him in, and then the Breeders' Cup turf, he didn't belong in that spot. He got there because he won the Turf Cup, but he shouldn't have been in there, but I, I watched that Turf, the uh, sorry, the Sycamore replay again just to make sure I didn't want to use Red Knight. I don't see how this horse is. I don't trust Corrales at this point to put him in there. Irad is not riding him size, like we said, is at Oaklawn. So a lot of other jockeys could have been aboard. And you've got Corrales on a 5-2 to two favorite when we have a lot of question marks. I mean, Sadler's Joy thinks that this horse is slow early. Like, that's how slow Red Knight is. Wow. Random shot to Sadler's Joy there as well for how slow he was. I love betting against that horse, man. I miss it. Real quick, couple things in the chat here. Uh, first off, yes, there's a free NHC contest to sign up for this weekend. It's on horseplayers.com. You have to be a tour member, so make sure you time sign up for the tour if you're going to play in it. Top three get a free seat to NHC. Top 25 get to split a $1,000 cash prize as well, so make sure you check that out. And Doc is right. Start capping. Triple carryover pick six tomorrow at Keeneland. It's going to be over, I think it's almost a million bucks in the carryover pool. So that is going to be the biggest pool on a Friday afternoon pick six at Keeneland. Oh boy. Well, I think that means we're gonna have to do. Another, I'm gonna have to do another Friday live show uh, tomorrow. We'll do, do, tune in for that one. So we'll, <laughs> I'll see. Uh, anyways, let's move on. The penultimate leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, April 22nd. Race 10. I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. It's race nine. It's the Grade Three Pen Live Stakes for seven older males going a mile and three sixteenths on the dirt. Where are you going on top, buddy? Man, I'm I'm gonna take a little bit of a shot here. Give me eight to one on the outside and the Brad Cox trainee, Tawny Port, on top. Uh, this is a horse that just has not progressed the way I think people expected after the race, That's specifically the Jim Dandy last year at Saratoga, went back in the Pennsylvania Derby, got absolutely blasted there. Took a long layoff. Now we're getting third off that layoff. We're adding blinkers, which 
for Brad Cox is a really, really good move in graded stakes. I think he's like three for the last seven that he has done this. He's 26% in graded stakes in general. Flavian Pratt picks up the mount. And this just feels like the race where we're going to see the Tawny Port that we have seen back in the past. I realize there's other contenders in here like Rattle and Roll. I, I, like, I understand that some people are going to like Pioneer Medina. But to me, Tawny Port at the price is the right horse to be picking here because you're getting an eight-to-one number on a horse that is as talented as anyone in this field and just needs to put it back together. I think Brad Cox can be able to do that third off the bench here. So give me eight to one on the outside. God, I wanted to use this horse. I really wanted to. It's Pratt, it's Cox, it's a dirt race. Like at this point, like I've said it in so many shows lately, it's like it's so hard to go against them, but I couldn't do it. This is, and this is a race where like, <laughs> I've got two opinions. And if both of those horses falter, it's just like, this is, this is a mess of a race. These are the horses that are not good enough to be in the Oaklawn handicap on Saturday. Like all the good horses in this division that are running right now, they're at Oaklawn. They're trying to win that race. They're not here at Keeneland for this one. This is like the awesome. I mean, you can tell that with like, you know, a horse like Call Me Fast, who I was surprised was here. I'm not using, but one, two straight at Oaklawn going gate to wire. And then the grade three Essex had a really bad start, got pinched all the way to the rear and just had no shot. Uh, the horse like that, I would have thought. So the fact that he's even over here, I'm like, okay, well, all right. This is the, uh, these are the also rands and, and, Tawny Port's an also ran of an also ran at this point. I need to see him improve. Now, this is the spot where it could happen because you're getting Pratt. We're trying a different track here at Keeneland after not running well at Fairgrounds, but I just couldn't do it. Uh, top pick, I did go with Skippy Longstocking on top. Seven to five on the morning line. You're probably going to get sub-even money on him ultimately, but winner of two of his last three races. Both times he won. Irad was aboard the horse. I think he's going to sit right behind the two, possibly the three, whichever of those are going to be leading. Should get the first jump. Should have no issues with this distance here. The one cons major concern I have, it's not Safi's shipping. It's this horse is inconsistent. He gets a nice win, throws in a dud. Gets a nice win, throws in a dud. Like he can't just have back-to-back -back consistent efforts. There's only one time of his, uh, you know, the four wins where he raced after that, where he even hit the board and he was a well-beaten third in the Belmont Stakes. Like he wasn't part of, the, you know, he wasn't anywhere close to Modonagal or Nest in that spot. So... It's concerning that he's not consistent, but Irad's picking up the mount, and the fact that Irad won both times he's ridden him in the last three races, I had to use Skippy Longstocking. Yeah, I, I use Skippy Longstocking as well, and the one thing I would say about your inconsistency, they kind of take shots after he won runs a big race. So you, there's the last five races, he's won three of the five. Wins a race, takes a race off. Wins a race, takes a race off. Wins a race. Well, the wins are all grade threes. The race he quote-unquote takes a raid off are grade ones. One was against Tabo in the Pennsylvania Derby. The other was in the Pegasus World Cup. So that's a little bit higher cut of horse than what we're going to face in here today. And to me, I start picking holes in pretty much every one of these horses. I think we're going to get a decent pace out front for Skippy Longchamp. Stocking to sit right behind. I don't think Pioneer of the Medina wants the distance. I don't think Trademark wants the distance. I don't think Happy American's good enough to beat this field. And so for me, that leaves you with the four, the five, and the seven. I don't trust McPeak at, at three to one. So that leaves me with the four and the seven. That's kind of how I ended up with these two. Yeah, if you want to take a shot with a McPeak horse, it should have been last race with Tis the Bomb at 30 to one. Uh, not here with, not with Rattle and Roll at three to one. Um, no, uh, I did use the two trademark as my other horse here at six to one. And I landed on him because, you know, according to time form, this is Lone Speed. And Lone Speed, two turns on the dirt at Keeneland is playing very well right now. He did win a nine furlong allowance here last fall by almost four lengths. He won an off-turf grade three race next time out by four lengths, uh, going eight and a half furlongs. Second off the bench, second start at age four, thinking I'll see an improved effort. I already did have one nice winner for, Vic, uh, for Vicky Oliver earlier this meet at Keeneland here. 
Uh, the distance is a question mark, but the fact that he did get nine furlongs here last fall tells me throwing that extra 16th without any potential pace pressure, uh, I'm going to use him. The three is the big question mark because I talked about he wouldn't get to wear a twice at Oakland. They're also taking the blinkers off of him here. Um, he might just be like gunned out of the gate. And if that happens, I don't think Trademark really has much of a chance to get the job done. I'm trying to play this off of a pace angle. But um, yeah, that, that's where I landed on the two. But I could, especially with Upstart, you can have question marks once you get past really a mile. It's just that allowance race last fall that I'm kind of leaning on, hoping that that pushes him over the edge. Yeah, that was an interesting race, too, because Trademark was able to stalk and pounce that day, but they went 46-3 and three to the half and then 113 to 6 furlongs, so they absolutely crawled after that first start. The, the, the horses that were forwardly placed just absolutely quit out of there, and Trademark was kind of default the best of the rest. This is a much better field in my mind. I think you're going to have to run significantly better than you did on that day. And the mile and 3 sixteenths is an interesting distance at Keeneland because you hit the nail on the head. Speed, two turns at Keeneland, and a mile and a sixteenth, a big advantage. We don't have the short stretch here. This is the full Keeneland stretch on dirt. I don't think speed has as big of an advantage when you have that full stretch there. Another reason why it allows me to, to take a little bit more of a shot here with a horse like Tawny Ford will not be forwardly placed in this spot. Just a mess of a race. Like I think all of these horses except Call Me Fast and of course Happy American because he's older, they were all in the Derby Trail last year and it's kind of funny that this is where they show. It is nice that they all keep running, right? Because a lot of times those horses just disappear, but uh, very interesting. We'll just leave it at that. Very interesting race uh, and field here. But good luck if you have different opinions. It's kind of a mess. We'll move on. The fifth and final leg of the Lapic 5 at Keeneland on Saturday, April 22nd. Here it is, race 10. Five and a half furlong. Turf sprint. What'd you do? What'd you hit? Who's on who's in the race? I'm excited about Oh, <laughs> sorry. You threw it up, and I figured you were watching a uh, race go by. Uh, we got 12 older males, four also eligibles, nominators of three other than. Talk to me about my top pick, number two, Smoking J at 4-1. to one. Ah, Smokin' Jay, baby, he's back. We got him out in the winter circle last time. I'm glad they figured out that this horse should be turf sprinting. Looked awesome at Gulfstream Park. Uh, made it look easy, really, in that five furlong turf sprint after they blazed early. Uh, I love Smokin' Jay. I talked about this horse quite a bit coming out of the turf sprint when we ran second to Karatari. Came back in an impossible spot with grade one Jiper. Uh, just been a little bit all over the place with this horse, but I like the fact that we're starting this five-year-old campaign here. Got another race under our belt. Now we're stepping up a little bit. That race was actually pretty good. Agent Peter Graves, Mambo on three. Not bad turf sprinting horses. And now we're getting to come to Keeneland here. I love the draw for Smoking Jay. Should be able to save some ground around the turn and then make one move. Hopefully we don't get pinned in, in there inside. But to me, this is all systems go on the two Smoking Jay. Yeah, you, you've talked about it. It's great that they finally got him turf sprinting. They uh, A big thing, I think, that helped him last time out, too. He's a lot more aerodynamic. He... Uh, he was sitting there in the barn. He's like, God, how am I going to win this? You know what? He goes, scissor me, Kelsey Danner. And Kelsey Danner just off go the balls. First time gelding aerodynamic. He was, you know, Lance Armstrong showed that in the Tour de France for years. You do the less balls, you go faster. Um, you're getting taped with Tyler Gaffley on the board as well. Got to love that. Yeah, I, this is one of those where I, I love this horse. I'm excited this horse ran so well after being gelded. I'm looking forward to seeing this horse in turf sprints for the next two years. I think... Smoking Jay's going to be a great one. No, I'm not going to say that. He's a talented horse. It's going to be fun to see what he's able to do now, taking steps forward off that last win. Uh, I did end up going three deep here. Give me the three beer can man. Coming off a long-ass layoff here. But this one was gelded as well. And now you got Phil D'Amato coming into Keeneland. Guess what he's done here at Keeneland so far? It's pretty good. 
All he does is win, 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 no matter what. He's two for two so far at the meet. He's going to put Flavian Pratt aboard. I think Beer Can Man has a shot at taking this field gate to wire. We've seen these California turf sprinters do well when they leave California, head to other places. Uh, I mean, the, the, the one loss when shipping here was that crazy parks race where eventually Hollywood talent did get DQ'd after winning at 99 to 1. Beer Can Man ran second in that race. You want to be forwardly placed, like having the inside post. I think it's also some stoke here on the three Beer Can Man. This is going to shock you. I also use this horse. Uh, we had agreement on two horses this yellow. And I say it's a shocker because usually I, I pass. If it's California turf horse shipping, it's usually immediately like I'm off. Here's the deal. There's a, a, a race on Sunday, the $100,000 Siren Lure going down the hill. Santa Anita. This horse isn't entered in it. He's not even nominated for it. D'Amato was like, no, we're going to Keeneland for not a stakes race, but I would say probably going to be a tougher spot. The purse is a little higher here at Keeneland, but we're shipping them across and, and we're leaving. It's a little red feather owned horse. Like they love, you know, Billy Koch loves getting his picture taken at Santa Anita. And they're like, no, we'll ship to Keeneland instead for this spot that's not a stakes. Uh, and yeah, you talked about that grade three turf monster. Should have won. Hollywood talent juiced out of his mind, got disqualified because he tested positive for, I think it was a combination of meth, crack cocaine, and black tar heroin. So he gets DQ'd. Beer Can Man gets the win after the fact. Um, you know, Pratt's keeping them out for D'Amato. I'm using him. It's probably going to shock a lot of people. We're going to split from here, but yeah, we agree with 2-3 for sure. Yeah, I think, I think they are the two most logical winners in here. 4-1, 5-1, nice prices on them. I'm going to take a big shot for my third horse. Gimme Ray Lou again, baby! Front run the Fed, the five horse. You and this damn horse. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like front run the Fed. I probably think it's worth too much. Uh, 15 to 1 on the morning line. First off the layoff for this seven-year-old who's ready to come back with a vengeance. Look, hey, you can't hit it off the layoff. That is incorrect. Last year, Colonial, after almost a seven-month layoff, got the job done. $153,000 stakes that day. That was the last time this horse run in Lasix. Guess what's back today? Give me them Lasix, all right? Let's get this thing going for front run the Fed. I think the pace sets up well here for a horse that's going to want to come from off it. Should get a very good trip, but has tactical speed when needed. Love me that 47 and 4 workout last time out. Love the price here at 15 to 1. I'm hoping we get that on race day because there are a lot of other places you can bet. I wouldn't be shocked if people like the Six Nobles. I think Mark of the Z will probably take a little bit of money. Obviously, the 10 just might going to take some money. I think we actually get 15 to 1 on front run the Fed. I think he's got a legitimate shot to nip them late at the wire here. So give me two, three, five to close this puppy out. One of these times you're going to pick front run of the Fed on the show, it's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be this show. Uh, not for me. Next up for me, the number 11, Nobody Listens at 8-1. to one. This horse is an absolute win machine. Won three of the last four races, 10 for 20 lifetime. 16 of his 20 starts finishing in the exacta. Limited turf experience, but... First time we tried turf, went second going to mile-long stakes after setting the pace, kind of proved not a router. Uh, went five, uh, one of five furlong allowance, and then uh, last time out, couldn't get a, in a turf race, couldn't get the lead in a five-and-a-half furlong stakes, and faded. I think this horse is going to clear, break cleanly, get over. If he does, the pace scenario sets up to be for him to be kind of alone, really on the lead. There isn't anybody that's really going to be, I think, pressuring him too much. And if that happens, this horse is lethal. So I'll take him. At eight to one, and then also at eight to one, you mentioned it. The horse, uh, as somebody else said, uh, <laughs> we talked about all these geldings and genitals being scissored off. Literally, I'm going to take the six. No balls here for Larry Ravelli. Uh, I think this horse is going to get a great stalking position. I like that it's drawn in kind of in the middle here. Um, you know, he's one for four on turf, but three of those were stakes races and did win a five and a half furlong turf allowance at Churchill Downs last June. And Mike, when you own horses with Larry Ravelli, you take a lot of pictures. And with Larry Ravelli Thoroughbred Racing Ventures. 
Winning is a way of life. That's why I'm going to use the six no balls. I called it no bells. Clearly, it is no balls. I I, I, I called it no bells there. So we'll, we'll. I apologize for the mispronunciation. I should have gone with no balls there, especially considering how this show has gone to this point. Uh, nobody listens. Can we talk about how this horse does not want to win outside of Indiana Grand? You mentioned all these first and seconds. Yeah, they're at Indiana Grand though. This is Keeneland. You really think this is going to translate over here? I realized one last time out at uh, at Turfway Park. But, uh, I mean, this is the water's got so much deeper here. We went to Oakland, ran in a race where probably should have had a legit shot, ends up losing to, to, to Hano Twist and Tuts Revenge, two pretty good horses. I just think this horse is better on the dirt. That's my biggest issue here. If you point to the wins on the turf, there's only one of them. It's only at Indiana Grand going five furlongs, not five and a half. The race at Colonial was an absolute mess, ends up losing by eight lengths after quitting, after not making a lead. This feels much more like that colonial race to me than embracing Indiana Grand. That's true. But, I mean, Eggleston's been telling everybody this horse can win on turf, just nobody listens to him. Yeah, well, I mean, he's only started eight horses, eight races this year, so that's probably why. <laughs> uh, by the way, Special Golden Kitten asked, was No Balls destined to be gelded? He was gelded before he started. Like, he started his career as a gelding. Like, maybe he just kind of came out of the womb that way. You don't know. Maybe that's, something like that's... that happened. <laughs> One of the earliest geldings I've ever seen, actually, because he's a four-year-old, so it was born in 19, and this horse was gelded in May of its two-year-old season. That's yeah. an early snip. That's a very early snip. <laughs> they, really, maybe there was like a medical complication with this horse when he was a foal or something like that, and they had to had to say like, "No, nah, we got to get rid of these right here." I wouldn't be shocked if they knew they were going to perform the snip when they were naming this horse. <laughs> It starts to, to make sense. It, uh, you'd have to name it a little bit earlier. But I, you could have kind of seen it coming here if you're going to name it No Balls. If only he saw it coming. Uh, the number eight, Mark of the Z, is a funny horse. And he was in the grade two Shaker Town. He's taking a class drop. We're not using him here. Um, but he does have a win you know, over this course and distance in an allowance uh, last October. I just want to bring it up because we never, ever, ever see Michigan breads normally. And we're seeing this horse at Keeneland for two straight shows here. So uh, no chance of, that I'm going to use this horse. Might be a decent underneath. But, uh, yeah, Michigan Breds. I mean, I don't even know the last time. I think Michigan's breeding program probably closed, like, the year after he was born. Like, that's a long time ago. Honestly, not the worst race in Shakertown either. Ends up three lengths behind Caravelle. Uh, had a little bit of traffic trouble. Was able to close some ground. Normally wants to be much closer to the pace. Just wasn't that day. It's just that, like, you can't point to a single race on the page that wins it. That's the biggest problem with me for Mark of the Z, is that you have to say, okay, this horse is going to improve, second off the layoff at seven, run a career-best race on the DRF page to be able to win this race. It just seems like that might be a little uh, little bit of a stretch at this point. Uh, yeah, my wife says, I think I've seen Mark of the Z at Arlington Park. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's where, he, yeah, and I know E.T. Baird was, uh, let's see, yeah, Arlington Park. He did get a win there. Uh, let's see, that would have been 2021. He got a win at Arlington Park. Oh, oh, Arlington. Now I'm sad. You had to bring up Arlington to make me sad. Damn it, Michael. Well, every time I see E.T. Baird, I think of Arlington. Because when I was growing up in Chicago, he was the freaking man at Arlington Park. He won, like, every single uh, jockey title in the, the mid-'90s there at Arlington. So he was, he, was the, he was the jockey that you wanted to have. Had a phenomenal career, like 70 years old now, still riding. Sorry. Him and that, yeah. He and Perry Alice remember when Michigan breads were a thing. That's that's how old E.T. Barrett is. They remember what? Michigan winning a national title. <laughs> I, I would go. Ooh, I'm not a Michigan fan really that much. So uh, it's great. Two thousand. Great shot at Michigan football there. 
<laughs> Boy, all sorts of shots all over the place at, uh, in this one. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. And no, I don't have somewhere to be. We just had a lot of agreement on these horses. And, and I saw, <laughs> where was Nick's comment? He said, I remember when the show used to be 90 minutes for a pick four. Now you tune in 10 minutes late and it's almost over. <laughs> well, we We're don't push it around as much at the start, to be fair. We took the comments from users, the people who watched, people who listened, who said, hey, we don't give a shit about the best thing you saw today. And we took that seriously. We talked more about horse racing. And so here we are. We get some fast shows every now and then. I mean, we can we can spend the next 20 minutes talking about the latest toys in McDonald's. Or we can go ahead and give out our tickets one last time for the audio listeners and the people watching. Take a look down below. I'll, we both have $72 tickets as well. That's funny. I will start off. I'm going to go 4 6 7 with 2 7 with 2 3 7 with 2 4 with 2 3 6 11. That's my $72 ticket. What's yours? I'm gonna go one four five seven with two four with two three seven with four seven with two three five. That'll cost you seventy-two dollars and fifty cents. Uh, over at RacingDudes.com, we've got a lot going on. Every Thursday is very busy at RacingDudes.com, but let me pull down the uh, the overlay here. You take a look. Uh, we've got preview for the Double Dog Dare tomorrow at Keeneland. That's going to be the main feature. Part of that big, huge pick six carryover of almost a million dollars. So uh, go check that out if you're playing. Um, you're going to have Bleakers Off coming up here in about 45 minutes or so, uh, talking about the Derby pace and how that's setting up. That's going to be a very uh, intriguing one to, to check out as we get closer to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, also have some rapid fire picks i'm sure from oaklawn you have the oaklawn handicap that i mentioned charge it taking on a tough field of stakes winners every horse in that race has won a stakes race and then also at oaklawn park the stupidest name for a stakes race i think i've ever seen and there's some bad ones out there the bathhouse roast stakes this has a the formerly the oaklawn invitational there's a free entry to the preakness stakes to the winner of this race and you see there in the picture victory formation is back he's getting lasix again and he's got louise size riding him so uh, if you like that horse, uh, if you like those combinations, you've got Victory Formation in the Bathhouse Row. Not only is Mike, is it a bad name, I understand it's based off of like a national park or something like that uh, in Hot Springs, but the national park, Bathhouse is one row. If it's supposed to be named after that, why did you split it up into Bath Space House? Like that to me is like a grammar Nazi. That just blows my mind. And it's, it's, it's a bigger offense than two fills having an unnecessary apostrophe. I guess that is unnecessary, isn't it? Because it's not, no, there's really no ownership there. I love the isn't name that, of the yeah. stakes race. I think this is the best named stakes race in America. It makes me want to go to Oakland and swim in those baths in that, that hot spring period. <laughs> I did not make that tweet. Uh, you will get a lot more information about the person who made that tweet, uh, calling it the worst named stakes in America uh, in about 45 minutes here. So you got that. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, Mike uh, Michael Myers wants to know any interest in uh, D Booker plus 2400 finals MVP? No, I mean, the Suns would have to win the finals, which they're not going to do, so that's, uh, that's a loser. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, he just asked. He, did, he didn't say he had the ticket. He just asked if you had any interest, and you said no, yeah, and that's I, I, I can't get behind any Suns wager right now. I mean, the fact that Kawhi is not playing today, which, by the way, random-ass news. Like, no one knew he had any type of knee injury, and then all of a sudden he's like, eh, I'm not going to play game three of the first-round series when it's the most pivotal game we're going to play in franchise history in, like, the last two years or whatever. Instead, I'm going to sit out here. Uh, I, just, I don't think that the Suns have the continuity to be able to get out of the West and then be able to beat someone like the Bucks or the Celtics who are waiting in the East. Honestly, this is breaking really well for the Celtics right now. You've already got Kawhi with injury concerns. You've got Giannis with injury concerns. You've got a, a jaw with injury concerns. Like The Celtics, if they can stay healthy, have a very good shot at winning this title. 
I just hate that this is setting up for Boston to win two championships in like the span of like two weeks. Like the Bruins in the NHL, all the Panthers might, you know, they're making them look a little less perfect, I guess is a way to put it. And then the Celtics, like it's so hard to find a city with more obnoxious sports fans than Boston. I would say Cowboys fans are more obnoxious than any other team, but from a city perspective, God, the, that disgusting, gross Boston accent all the time. Ugh. Yeah. I think the thing for me, college fan bases are the most annoying. Like, I cannot stand, like, Ohio State fans. Florida State fans were insufferable for a long time. Uh, every Oklahoma fan I've met is an absolute asshole, so not interested in any Oklahoma fans either. Uh, no, I'm kidding. The Oklahoma fans are fine. Uh, Michigan fans are bothering me, though. It's, it, pretty much any Big Ten team bothers me, specifically in football, because I grew up in that area, and all I had to hear about was how good these teams were, and then they get shellacked when they play anyone outside the conference. Uh, it, back in Michigan, we call the people who would most, like, a, a giant percentage of the Michigan, like, hardcore annoying fans um, were never smart enough to go to Michigan, and so we always call them the Walmart Wolverines. Like, because there's just all these people that go to Walmart, buy the $5 Michigan. And I'm not going to Walmart, but they just buy the $5 shirts from, from uh, Walmart, and then they act like they're the biggest Wolverine fans. It's like, just get GTFO. Get out of here. Here's the thing, though. Pretty much every fan base is insufferable when it's not yours and they're winning. That's the thing. Because, like, <laughs> no matter how, like, I, as a Cubs fan, I think Cubs fans probably get the least slack because we lost for so long, won one title, and now we suck again. So no one really dislikes Cubs fans. They just go and get drunk at the ballpark. But for the most part, pretty much every single team that has success, people are like, I hate those fans. I, like Cardinals fans. Oh, we're perfect baseball. Everyone hates them. Like the, the Red Sox fans, people can't stand them. Yankees fans, people can't stand them. Successful franchises, essentially their fans get shafted on that because people just don't like hearing about how good your team is when their team sucks. <laughs> now the chat is turning into an argument about who's got the best or worst fans. This is awesome. Uh, I saw uh, Michael Myers said that Dennis is soft. Dennis, hey, listen, if you're soft, go to Viagra.com. Use promo code DUDES for 10. Oh, wait, no, that's OGHandicappers.net. Go to OGHandicappers.net. Use promo code DUDES, D-U-D-E-S, 10% off for everything site-wide. Uh, it is beautiful and sunny out here. We might be a little muddy at Keeneland, so I got my OG Handicappers mudder, Mudders shirt on, but uh, go check it out. I promise you, you're going to love the quality of these shirts. They're wonderful. Mike, if you ever get yours in the mail, you will find out and you'll understand the truth about OG Handicappers as well. But good luck to everybody. If you're playing Keeneland, uh, make sure you tune into Blinkers Off. Aaron said they're going to be coming up in uh, yeah about 45 minutes or so, something like that. We'll see. Tune in. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube.com slash racing dudes hit the notification bell so you'll be alerted whenever they decide to go live over there and of course mike samich leading the dudes who bet daily team every wednesday through sunday at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific uh how are we doing on our best bets i know that papa dude earlier today literally pulled the winner out of the race of the day out of a hat that's how good he is yeah he doesn't who needs to handicap just get a hat with some numbers and what could go wrong uh none of our games have started yet so we've got plenty of time uh, I'm happy I have the under in that Clippers-Suns game because that went from 227 down to 224 once the thing uh, got bet there. We got a lot of people on the abs. I know Aaron and I both on the abs. I'm first period. He's minus one and a half for the game. Uh, and then you and Papa Dude both taking the under there in the Yankees game against the Angels today. Papa Dude parlaying that with the Vegas Golden Knights as well. It looks like you just checked. It may not be going so well. Well, I, did, I, I just checked. The Angels scored, sorry, the Yankees scored five runs in the first inning. <laughs> Uh, bottom of the six, bottom of the six, five two Yankees, uh, and we played under eight and a half. So there's a there's a one run wiggle room there. Um, yeah, I did this because I saw five runs in the first inning first, and I thought, oh shit, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs>
Ah, uh, but thanks. Okay, not wonderful, but have great cool times though. No problem here. No issue. <laughs> Uh, thanks everybody for joining us uh, we'll be back on Monday with our usual Derby and Oaks analysis taking a look at things probably just Derby at this point there's really not much happening in the world of the Kentucky Oaks but uh, but thank you so much for joining us click like on the video if you haven't yet and subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes and of course make sure you follow us on Twitter I'm at Curtis Kellowart he is at Summerbomb18 number one number eight corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes until tomorrow for Mike and I I'm Magic and I'm Mike good luck this weekend Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.